When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh. Well, Coco Goff has done it. The 18-year-old becomes the ASB Classic champion of 2023. 6-1, 6-1 over Rebecca Masarova. 8.04 on the McIver Breakfast, brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Coco Goff, who was first here at 15 years of age, and her father, Corey, said in an interview with us, it was like she was almost like a veteran uh, three years on. And she's only 18, Belinda Cordwell. Doesn't it sound, isn't that just a crazy thing? 15 old, but now she's a veteran and she's 18 years of age. Oh, to be 18 again. Yep, I agree with that, Stephen. And you and I are the same age. And 18 was a long time ago. But if you think about it, Coco Goff came here three years ago and as a 15 year old and was a bit of a sort of a junior superstar, if you like, there. And we were all watching quite closely just to see what a player she was like. And she was very, very good uh, three years ago. And so building on that for her over the last three years and building on her confidence and obviously played a lot of matches and uh, had a lot of success. So then you see a young woman at 18 and we saw the pose, um, you know, and the composure Mm. that she had uh, when she stepped onto the court yesterday. You know, we discussed all week about how strong this field was Yet as the week got on, it didn't appear that strong when every time you saw Coco Golf play, right? Oh, look, I agree with that. I mean, it was a strong field, and I think it was fantastic for us to be able to see the calibre of player out there all week. But as we talked about, Coco Golf just stepped up to the next level time and time again, and she was two or three levels ahead of anybody that she uh, played against all week. She just had the ability to produce more shots in her repertoire and, uh, you know, pluck them out of her toolbox, if you like. And uh, her all-court game and her court craft and her agility were were outstanding all week. For one, for one so young, and the real test, I think that many people are judged by the amount of grand slams they win. How many slams do you think she wins? I mean, and does, from what you've seen now, right, she's only 18 could she be one of the greats? Or am I jumping to a conclusion way too early? Well, I don't know. It's hard to tell. I mean, she's 18. She's got the world at her feet. She's got a fantastic all-court game. And one thing we were impressed with during the week, and I think that not only um, us interviewing her as part of Sky, um, but, but all the all the all the volunteers um, and the people involved with the tournament, 
that that she had a real grace about her off the court as well. And so, you know, committed to all the interviews, uh, you know, went out and, and hit with players around Auckland um, and generally acquitted herself in a really grown-up manner. And I think that if she's able to uh, be grounded and be a decent person as well as a great tennis player, then she'll go far. From the time you played to what players are playing now, the conditions they're playing, the pressures seem so enormous, or are they just different pressures? Um, I think that's a good question. Um, as on today's young people, are uh, you know we well well documented. I mean, in social media, it's a whole nother level of uh, interest and pressure uh, to to all young people, but I think particularly to sports people. Um, and so I think in that sense, we didn't contend with those sorts of things, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. But I think the pressures are different. I mean, there's a lot more money involved in the sport now. And so players can afford to have some really good support people around them. So they're not having to travel around the world on their own. And they can really create a home away from home when they are traveling, which I think is hot, really positive in terms of the medical people that can travel with the players as well. And, and keep them injury-free to the best of their ability. So those sorts of uh, areas of the sport have advanced significantly in the last 20 to 25 years. But it's still a really tough gig out there, and I think players need to be well-managed. Yeah, uh, and case in point, Emma Raducanu going off after having to retire injured after slipping while playing indoors should have been managed better because I think I asked you the question, well, everybody's in the same position. They're up against the same odds. Yeah, it was a bit unfortunate, um, in my opinion, the, the, the comments that came out through the media. I mean, it appeared to me as though Emma... You know, she lost her match, she had to retire, she hurt her ankle, which is really upsetting, and obviously aiming to get healthy for the Australian Open was a top priority. And to then, um, you know, effectively criticise the tournament and criticise the courts and sort of shoot from the hip at that point straight after a match, we all know that probably does require some level of management from her team or from the WTA just to say, Let's let's just let's just rest up a bit, and then you can make some comments if you still feel strongly about that. So I think that there was um, some level of, um, you know, it was a shame that Emma reacted the way she did, um, and and you'll sure learn from that. But um, that's where your support crew really need to to do their job. The, the the crazy thing about the ASB Classic is there's always someone that pops up, and, and you go. Well, I wonder how far they will go. And for me, it was obviously Rebecca Masarova, the qualifier who played seven matches in total. I wonder how much game she's got to take her game even further. I think she has. She's ranked 130 of the world at the moment. And, uh, and that, will, that will rise significantly as a result of getting to the final yesterday. You know, it was, she was disappointed in her performance yesterday, but she also had the grace to admit that uh, Coco Golf was just too good in every aspect. But we've seen enough of Rebecca Masakova during the week uh, to to realise that, that you know, she's got some great weapons, she's got a great attitude, and I think that she will stay well inside the top 100 for the next few years to come. What does that come down to? Does it come down to natural talent, or does it actually come down to the people they're paying, most importantly the coach? Oh, it's a bit of everything, isn't it? it it's um, you need the support of the coach, um, and you need support of you know family if they're travelling with you or your support crew, and you need you need ability. But I think 
You also need resilience is probably the most important aspect to be able to deal with uh, the losing and the rain delays and the travel. You know, all these players have packed their bags now and they're heading off to Australia to the next lot of tournaments. So they'll do the same that they've done here at the ASB uh, for the week. They'll pick up their gear and do the same thing next week and the week after, tournament after tournament. And that requires quite a high level of resilience. And And that's probably the most important aspect of, you know, what you need in a tennis player. Which is what a lot of casual fans don't see is that daily grind. It's a daily grind. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, look, it's like any job, you know, like you, you're, you, 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 you front up a, um, and, and most people don't see the other 98% of what you do in your job um, and, and, and just sort of recognise the 2% of it. And I don't think being a tennis player is any different. There's a, a lot of grind and then the uh, audiences see, you know, great matches and, and the glamour and the TV and the paychecks but there's a lot more that goes into uh, being a tennis player. And the sort of players that we're looking at, let's say at the Australian Open, they're ranked in the top you know, 110 players, 120 players in the world. And so you're talking about a very, very few number of people who get the opportunity to play at these Grand Slams as well. We talk about the pressures. Are you disappointed and also surprised that Naomi Osaka has pulled the pin on the Open? Uh, look... I'm never surprised. There's always a few very key players that pull the pin uh, before a Grand Slam for for a number of reasons, um, injuries, or it all just uh, gets a little bit bit, bit tough. And um, if Naomi Osaka is not in the the best uh, position to play the tournament, well, then it's sensible that she pulls the pin. And did you realise Venus Williams was injured? Because she's handed her wild card back. Well, I, I did realise that she'd handed her wildcard back. Um, I wasn't totally sure of the reasons why. Um, but, you know, what a shame. I mean, we really enjoyed watching her in Auckland. I think that uh, she's a great ambassador for the game and she's done so much for women in sport. And it would have been nice, I think, for her and her supporters to see her you know, playing at the Australian Open, but it's not to be. Now, Belinda, what people don't know is I use you as my sounding board, particularly when it comes to having to ask questions afterwards because you're the wise owl. And I asked a question last night and you weren't around and you were listening. Yeah, I know. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I was so looking forward to having this discussion. What was that question? Well, the question was, well, you're up 56151. Care to explain what happened? What happened? Now, and they blew you out of the water, Stephen, well, didn't they, with the answer? Well, I don't know if they blew me out. They just refused to answer the question. Now, so I had this discussion with my wife on the way home, and I said, should I have asked this question? She said, well, they were probably really pissed off, and they, 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 were, they were emotional and didn't want to actually answer the question. So maybe they thought you were a bit of a jerk. Now, mm-hmm. I know you were honest with me. Was that a jerky thing to ask? Look, I think it was twofold. I'm not sure it was a jerky thing to ask. In all fairness, everybody wanted to know what happened because the shift in that doubles match last night between five, 6-1-5-1 was phenomenal. It was a kind of a phenomenal match that I was really sad that more people weren't watching because it was just a, a very intriguing encounter. So I think the question was... <laughs> 
fine, but I'm just not sure of the timing. I wonder whether it had been better to oh, phrase man. it in a different kind of way. But having said that, I've got to be honest. I mean, I do. I am pretty honest with you when I work with you. And sometimes I go, Stephen, that was the worst question I've ever heard. But I just think they kind of gave you a bit of a hard time. They could have probably jumped in with a bit more professionalism and answered the question properly, I, I think. I guess it was midnight. Oh jeez, I've had two hours sleep, mate. I'm just I'm, my eyeballs are hanging out. Um, okay, so that okay, so I'll, I'll take that as a subtle defence of my tactics. Yeah, I think it was fine. I mean, it just maybe you ease your way in and ask that question, <laughs> the second question up. Yeah, see, that's, um, that's but then I think they kind of. I was a bit disappointed that they were um, the way uh, Maddox stands answered the question, and then Fernandez um, they were a bit patronising, which I thought was a bit disappointing, <sighs> but. I feel better you know, now. I, feel, I think they were pretty. They I feel. Pretty I feel better now. I feel better now. Just, yeah. just. Yeah. Hey, um, the way the Open has handled the weather, good or bad? Do you think it could have been handled a little bit better? We played that match at five o'clock last night. It's the first time in my living memory a singles final has been played that late. We understand it may have been international TV commitments, but I would have gone too bad if you knew it was going to rain late. Why didn't you take make the most of the day? Look, I'm not sure about that. I mean, of course, it was funny for most of the day, and then literally as the, the match was due to start at 5pm last night, the rains opened again, the heavens, sorry, opened again and started raining. I'm not sure about the international uh, commitments, commercial commitments, but it did seem a real shame that we didn't start um, the finals earlier in the day. That said, going back to your original question about how the tournament um, people have handled the weather, I think they've done really well. I mean, it's just been the most difficult week I can remember in terms of the weather and the crowds and the tournament. And I, I kind of think hats off. Everybody's kept really calm tried to keep everybody informed and communicated with everybody about the constant change and in, in decisions based on the weather. So I kind of admire the fact that we've got to this point where we're having the conversation, we've got two winners of the tournament and we're about to start the men's event um, and probably the fact that the weather forecast says that it's going to be wet this week, the tournament would have learnt and will be um, even more comfortable, I guess, making the decisions that they do this week based on the weather. You love talking about Kiwis and Kiwis doing well. Uh, KP Pano was first up tonight uh, against Richard Gasquet and Ajit Rai is still to finish his qualifying run. Uh, he's down 3-5 and 15 all in serving in his match against Thiago Montero. Uh, what have you made of the Kiwis? Aaron Rutliffe was another one. I think it's great having the Kiwis there. I mean, I watched uh, KP winning his uh, hard playoff. Yeah, the qualifying tournament against uh, Finn Reynolds. I went out and watched that at um, Scarborough Tedis Courts. And look, that, it was a great match. And so KP deserves his opportunity to be out there playing. And he plays Richard Gasquet, um, who's, who's never been to New Zealand. I mean, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to, to, to sort of, Try how and to see how you get on about against one of the you know top 100 players in the world, and uh, and you know good luck to KP Ajit Rai. What a fantastic win in the first round of qualifying. Be the guy ranked 92 in the world. I mean that's that's huge confidence for a guy who's ranked what 460 in the world. And um, and I mean let's hope that he 
he manages to get that break back in the third and the second round of qualifying. It'd be great to see him in the main draw as well. I, I think Erin Routcliffe was, was disappointing. Really, she, she lost in three in her singles, lost her doubles. It was a shame. I think she would have liked to have played better here in Auckland, but them's the breaks. Do you honestly believe, though, the idea of having an all-Kiwi qualifying tournament is the right way to go, knowing that a lot of them aren't even on the, the tours, the the Challenger Tour for the men, a lot of them play ITF, but the level steps up at ATP, WTA level. Yeah, look, we could debate this till we're blue in the face. Yes, we um, could. I think it was, it was a way of, uh, of working out who would get the wild cards by getting the New Zealanders who had a singles ranking, a world singles ranking, to play off. That said, um, Ajit Rai is the number one player in New Zealand at the moment. There is an argument for that he should have been given the wild card because... He's been out there playing on the tour this year. He's had a good six months. Um, and he, because by the nature of the fact that he's the top-ranked New Zealander, um, he should have the wild card. So, I mean, there's a debate both ways. Um, and I'm not sure what the answer is. I think that, um, you know, Tennis NZ and Auckland NZ have, have, have tried it this way this year. Um, and we have Erin Routcliffe and uh, KP have got the wild cards. don't know. Maybe they do it differently next year. Hey, um, how far is Carterton from your place in the Wairarapa? Uh, it's probably 17, a 17-minute drive. Oh, I, could, I just discovered one of my best mates has moved there on seven acres. I, I might have to come and annoy you soon. Yeah, well, you would annoy me if you came down there, but um, feel free. Come down, yeah, <laughs> not really far at all. Good on him. He's, 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 he's cashed in the... Uh, cashed in the city life. No, 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 he's not. He's a copper. Oh really? Any, he's going to work as a as a cop down there. Yeah, no, he he transits in four days like you. Hops on the train four day four days a week, but he just loves the country life. Got someone gra- oh, okay. got someone grazing on his property, and not like you chopping all that wood. If I come to your place, can I please use your splitter and chop some wood? You can, and we've said that Jenny Woods. We talked. I talked to Jenny Woods, who I co-commentator <laughs> last night, and she's quite keen to bring um, her family down to who have been living in the UK. To, to oh, see if uh, oh, well. they can be more attracted to the rural life. So, yeah, you're very welcome, well, and um, we'll put you to work. Happy with that. All right, hey, thanks so much for giving me your time. Thanks for the week. I always have a lot of fun. You and Collier uh, travel safe back, and we'll talk to you in about, oh, who knows, sooner than you might think. Yeah, that may be so. Anyway, take care, and the best of luck with the rest of that radio show. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. Belinda Cordwell. Oh.